0: Hey guys, welcome to the Do Good Podcast with myself, Rob Watson. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of going over to Liverpool to speak with Lauren and Jess from the Kerrs family uh, to find out all about the, uh, the amazing work that this uh, charity has been doing, which basically connects young professionals with older neighbours, bringing them together to, um, to develop friendships, to hang out, to get up to um, all sorts of different interesting things, And, you know, really helping to combat loneliness. I've spoken about it in a few episodes, it's come up, talking about the idea of us, you know, reconnecting to our roots and to have a a closer connection with our neighbours, with our friends, with our family. And the untold health benefits that can have across us all. So for me to have an opportunity to sit down with some of the people who are literally going out there and connecting these people, particularly in cities, that's one of the big challenges that we have, don't we? As cities grow and they get so big and life gets so fast, people are getting left behind and people are starting to feel isolated, particularly older generations. But actually it's interesting because what we're finding out now, it's the younger generations as well. So this charity, The Curse Family, is it connecting these younger people and older people and it's not necessarily like the younger people are it's it's just them um giving up their time and to volunteer it's in a way like they're both doing it together it's a it's almost like a really nice um yeah, a nice connection so that's you know that's what we're chatting about today it's really interesting i just got to give a shout out as well to my friend brendan stanley who first connected me with this and he said um he said i've got to get connected with these guys so he put me in touch with uh, alex who's the founder and then finally got to sit down with Long and jess so it's um yeah thank you for that brendan and anyway on to today's episode so for anyone who's not aware of the Kers family if you could tell us a little bit about it and how it came about that would be great
1: Yeah so the Cares family is a group of charities um, and community networks that connect younger and older people in rapidly changing cities to just hang out and connect um, and build friendships with one another Um, and the reason for that is because whilst busy exciting cities are great there's loads going on and loads of diversity and um, creativity and stuff to get involved in If you don't feel like you're part of that, and part of the change and excitement, then it can be really isolating um, and quite lonely places to live. Particularly for older people who might have lived there for most of their lives, um, but also for young professionals living quite busy and transient lives. So we bring those people together, those two age groups together, to simply hang out um, and have conversations
2: um, and get to know each other and build friendships. So it started in 2011, so the original Cares I suppose is North London Cares, um, which Alex Smith founded after meeting an older neighbour himself who he bonded with and found he had common ground with and he'd never come across before and he never would have done if he hadn't been outdoor knocking um, as part of his job at the time and after that south london cares opened in 2014 followed by manchester cares in 2017 and liverpool cares in 2018 and in a couple of weeks we'll have east london cares which is really exciting Um, we're only a small organization but everything we do has a kind of model basis so all of the cares charities work in a very similar way we have the same programmes which we run but the differences are all very local so one programme might run a certain way, a social clubs programme for example might run a certain way in Manchester but it's very different, it looks very different in Liverpool because it's all based around what the people in those areas want, what they need and the community organisations that we're working with in those areas are all very different.
1: So yeah and the basically our aims are to reduce some of those Generational and social divides that we see in these big, busy cities, where often younger and older people are living side by side but seldom interacting or even seeing each other much, and essentially reduce loneliness and isolation as well, um, improving well being and connection of everyone involved.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of like really frightening statistics that go along with that, which is like 14% of people in the UK feel lonely, or 10% of people aged 16 to 24. Um, would say they feel lonely or um, like they are isolated. Uh, one in ten older people who go to GP surgeries uh, only do it because they don't have anyone else to talk to and they just want to have a conversation with somebody. And those are like terrifyingly big statistics. When you start thinking about the millions of people that live in the UK and how many of those people are isolated or um, would love more some some more connection. So. For us it's not about um, sad stories, it's about bringing people together to have a laugh, to share some time, share some memories, um, enjoy a drink together, do something you wouldn't have done usually. Uh, A lot of what we do in Liverpool for example, last night we had a pub club on, Uh, the pub clubs often happen on Smithdown Road which is a really popular area of Liverpool with students. All the pubs are really interesting and diverse and they're all, they sell burritos and, you know, craft beer and things like that. And often we bring older neighbours and younger neighbours together in those places because they're spaces that older neighbours wouldn't have usually felt welcome in. They wouldn't have walked into by themselves. Uh, And now we're having those brilliant conversations where they walk out at the end of the night and they go, Oh, I'd I'd come back with my family. I'd come back by myself and have a drink. I've enjoyed myself. It wasn't as frightening as I thought it was going to be. And it's just those lovely moments over a drink or over a pizza or something like that where people are sharing time.
0: It's amazing, and it's so needed, isn't it, at this time, as you're saying, the way we live and the way the generations... Yeah, the time that's just passed, and as you say, things are getting so fast and so frantic. Like, even my neighbour, we don't live in a city centre, but he's kind of been there. He lives in his his parents' home, he must be in his 80s now, and he's seen so much change. And by us, we've got... Quite a few of the um, warehouses popping up, and him, it's just he just feels like the world's coming in on him. Yeah. Yet you feel even more lonely and stuff. So it's amazing. And what I really like to hear, I, I checked it out. It's about Alex and um, Alex Smith and the little clip about that first time he was was he doing something with the Labour Party and yeah. He, yeah. he went round and
2: he was a local st- council and he was out door knocking for votes of all things. <laughs> and he came across an old gentleman called Fred, and Fred hadn't been. Out of his house in a couple of months, and um, beyond speaking to carers who were coming in to help him with meals, he just hadn't had any contact with anybody else. Um, and you can say that Alex saw an opportunity and got chatting to Fred, and actually found that Fred had ran a fancy dress and joke shop called Escapades um, that Alex had gone to as a kid, and they found they had all of these really interesting commonalities between their lives where they'd lived and places they'd been to and Alex just turned around and was like well I would have never come across Fred if it hadn't been for me being out that one day and how many more people like Fred must there be and it turns out they're everywhere
0: Yeah, and it's amazing that Alex then took it on and turned it into something and now that's had a huge ripple effect and it yeah. just goes to show that just them um, small little interactions which may seem you know not so significant turn into something huge and i think we can all think about that can't we certain times where we could actually well who knows what stuff can turn into so yeah that's really that's really nice to hear because i think what, like this podcast i'm looking to share people's stories but to inspire other people but it literally can small start with such like small actions absolutely small random acts of kindness and then it's just you know we ne- never know where it leads so and um, what sort of um like programs do you, do you run in, in the areas?
2: So, we have some core programs which we run in all of the charities um, social clubs, which we run. We have a Love Your Neighbour program, which is a friendship program. We do a lot of outreach in all the cities that we're present in, and we also do a lot of fundraising.
1: So, just to expand on that, um, social clubs are basically free group activities that can happen anywhere, and they bring younger and older people together. Um, and the idea of them is to bring those people together to just get to know each other organically and share stories and laugh and stuff like that. But it's also about helping older neighbours feel connected to that buzz of the city. So it can be anything from film nights or um, music nights um, and things like that. But we, for example, have gone into some of those, you know, really trendy bars and done (laughs) cocktail making. And we've tried salsa and tapas at Revolution to Cuba. Um, and we're going into a place called the Hip Hop Chip Shop coming up soon to hear about how they started. So it's about sort of unlocking some of that excitement and of, the, of the city. And then the Love Your Neighbour programme might be for older people who can't get out for various reasons anymore, but it's about bringing some of that buzz of the city in. So we'll connect them with one of our younger neighbours. And we do that both sort of like geographically, but based on shared interests and values and personality types and that sort of thing. So it's a really mutually beneficial experience. And they'll just spend a bit of time together every week, having a brew and a chat about about anything really. Um, and then yeah, our outreach program is a really sort of proactive part of what we do as well. And that's essentially how we meet older people out in the community. So we connect with a lot of other organisations, but we also take a quite a grassroots approach. So we'll just go out and do some door knocking and chat to people, or we'll go to pharmacies or supermarkets or post offices and that sort of thing and try and meet people that way. Um, And we're developing really good relationships with GPs and uh, social workers and different healthcare Mm -hmm. professionals who will refer people into us. Um, So yeah, that's sort of quite a big part of what we do as well is like how do we how do we meet these people
0: yeah a
2: lot of what we do in liverpool we do a lot of sheltered housing so people that maybe um don't live independently anymore or live with so within social housing organizations we'll do door knocking in those places um to meet with people who maybe want to get out of their homes and come to social clubs or would like a volunteer to visit them as part of love your neighbor um, we also talk to uh, community organisations. So, for example, last week we were at Kenny Fields, which is a community centre, and it's brilliant. And the people that run it are engaged and interested in what's going on in their local community, which has changed really rapidly. Around Kenny Fields has been loads of student housing developments, and it's just not the same area that it used to be even ten years ago. But these community centres are brilliant hubs where people are coming together and they're spending time and they're talking. And what we're trying to do is is get into those hubs and meet people and have really interesting conversations and see whether we can get anybody from those community centres to join us in activities that we're running. Um, we also, like Lauren was saying, we have a lot of really strong connections with Um, GP surgeries or even like physiotherapists, um, anyone in kind of healthcare, we take referrals as part of Love Your Neighbour. So a lot of the conversations that older neighbours may be having um, about how they're feeling may well be with a GP or a physiotherapist, somebody that's visiting them on a regular basis. So those people can refer on to us Um, and basically talk about what their needs might be. We can then contact and connect with those older neighbours. We phone everybody basically that gets referred. We're proper old school, we do post and phone and we make sure we talk to everybody on a one-to-one basis and we try and visit everybody face-to-face as well and really engage with what they might need in their community.
0: Sounds incredible. One thing that really stood out for me was to actually the Love for Your Neighbour yeah. one and I've noticed on some of the stats on the site it said okay the most loneliest people are over 75 but yeah. after that it's young people mm-hmm. in the 20s and early 30s so yeah. it seems perfect to be matching them two up. So yeah. It's not. Sometimes you might think oh this is just helping the older people but actually it's really helping the younger people as well because yeah. they're not feeling and feel like they're contributing and they're getting involved and in part of the society.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, like we've heard for a number of years now, the sort of stats around loneliness in older age and the sort of health implications that has, and it is really scary, but I think what is coming to light a lot more now is that younger demographic, and I think it was something um, 16, 10% of 16 to 24 year olds say they're always or often lonely, so the number of that is is huge. Um, and it's a completely different type of loneliness and isolation in a way, isn't it because they're essentially leading very very busy lives but not we don't have that sort of connection to our community anymore and you're in a bit of a bubble a sort of digital bubble and this sort of types of people that you see every day. Um, so yeah we totally see what we do as mutually beneficial and we're really considered in terms of everything down to our language. So we don't want to say too much of volunteering and beneficiaries and and sort of like befriending and that sort of language. It's we say we're neighbours and we're friends and we visit each other and we help each other. Um, So yeah, it's a completely mutually beneficial thing and we hear that from the younger people that are involved as well who say, you know, it's just that time, an hour, putting my phone down and having to engage with someone on a deeper level than maybe some of the superficial things you talk about day to day. Um, And getting to know the area that you're living in as well. Like, the people that I've met since doing this job are just amazing because I probably was in a bit of a bubble in terms of who I spent most of my time with and I've met sort of like an 80-year-old in Moston who's given vivid accounts of what it was like when the mines closed down there and that sort of thing. And it's it's just been amazing to hear these stories from these really interesting
2: older people across Manchester. Yeah, I can completely agree. I've I've spent the last five years living in Brighton and I reached a point where I realised I wasn't happy doing the job I was doing and I was commuting for up to three hours every day. And so I was leaving the house really early, getting back home really late. I wasn't engaging with the community I was living in anymore. I didn't know... I was living in a house that had been like split up into flats, and I realised I didn't know anybody else that lived in any of the flats. And the only communication I ever had with somebody was when we had a leak coming through our ceiling, and all the communication we had with the guy that lived upstairs was through email. And it just struck me one day, I was like on the internet scrolling, and I came across what CARES were doing, and I thought, that's something really different and it's so simple and it's so effective and I can completely agree with what Lauren's saying. I only moved back to Liverpool three, four months ago and previously that I was living out in the six in Cheshire and commuting in when I was doing this job and since moving to Liverpool I have met so many people. I know people on my road that I wouldn't have met otherwise because of this job. And it's so interesting to suddenly know people that like Your Next Door Neighbour runs comedy improv classes that we use for social clubs. And I would never have come across Emma if it wasn't for Cares. Um, and you see it every day. I Part of my role is I run Love Your Neighbour for Liverpool. And one of the first people I came across was Joan. And Joan's 92 and she's living in Allerton. And she's lived in her home for over 50 years. And she lives there by herself now, and she is witty and sharp and funny as hell. She is brilliant, and she lives around the corner from where my dad grew up as a child. And so I was visiting her one day and just talking to her about her history and where she's lived. And I just happened to throw in, "Did you know the Verdin family when you were younger?" And she was like, "Yeah, I was friends with them. They lived one down the road." I was like, "Oh well, my dad was friends with their children." And suddenly you have all of these amazing connections that you wouldn't have had otherwise. You just wouldn't have met these people if it wasn't for these programmes. Um, And now it's really brilliant because Joan's part of our Love Your Neighbour programme and she's um, matched up with this brilliant woman called Kelly. And they go to social clubs together. They went to pub club together last night. And they're both getting out in their communities in a way that they wouldn't be doing otherwise. And they're bonding over how they both love crafts and Joan has two cats and Kelly's always wanted cats and they're spending hours together poring over old newspapers about Liverpool during the Blitz because it's something that Kelly's really fascinated about because she grew up in Belfast and there's all these lovely little stories that are just like building out of little connections you wouldn't have otherwise had.
0: One thing that really stood out there, Blum, was what you're saying about like friendship. It's not about you know, I'm volunteering, it I'm doing something for you. It's like it's it goes both ways and friendship and I think for me, like my own life and then just looking around, like how many people can we actually say that we've got as true friends? Who can we actually truly open up to? Not in just when we're feeling good, but in times when we're actually struggling, can we actually reach out to some people and say, you know what, I need some help, can I just talk to you about something? And it seems like it's so small the numbers now. And because of social media and because of the way the world's portrayed, like everyone's doing great, everyone's mm. You know, looking great, feeling good, only putting out the best selves. When actually I think a lot of, most of us actually on the inside, you know, do not feel like that all the time. Do have tough days, tough times. So the more of us that can have that connection, feel like we've got that support from people. And even if it is someone who's 70 years older than you, or 60 years old, the experience that they've got, wow, they'll be able to share some wisdom okay. with you.
2: And the surprising, like, amount of mutual interest and, and commonalities between people even with sort of huge differences in age just because there's more lived experience with someone that's 92 than is 30 it makes no difference I think a lot of people have I mean I did have definitely when I was young you have like a stereotype in your mind of you don't have anything in common with older people and it's just not true I met Um, Kathy through doing this job Um, and Kathy's brilliant she's 74 and she comes to everything that we do last night was her 40th social club with us I counted up because she just she's always there it's fantastic to see her face Um, and we were in the Walker Art Gallery a couple of months ago and I was chatting to Kathy just generally about how she was getting on and what she was doing at the moment and we ended up in a massive conversation about horror movies um, and she's a massive Stephen King fan and she was basically talking about how she hadn't enjoyed Pet Sematary because it wasn't as good as she wanted it to be and she remembers when um, like, It came out and that was scary but the new It hasn't frightened her at all um, and it sounds silly but it's just having those moments of shared interest where I go, well, I love horror movies too so what would you recommend? And suddenly you have a friendship with somebody that you wouldn't have organically met otherwise. I think it's taking that, t- it's
1: slowing down a little bit, isn't it? And Definitely. just spending that time with someone, because like you said, we're all constantly on social media, and I remember the other day I was like, oh God, I've got these like four WhatsApp groups that I still need to respond to. But just having that time where you slow down and really just have a face-to-face conversation with someone and find out about someone that is from quite potentially quite a different background Mm -hmm. to you um is good for us like we're social beings we need that we need that sense
2: of yeah i mean think about it how often do you sit down to talk to somebody or sit down over dinner or go for drinks and one of you will spend half the time on their phone scrolling through or saying oh have you seen this on facebook today did you see that on twitter talking about things that are happening in the real world, but through the lens of how it's being portrayed online or through social media. I mean, I do it all the time. I'm totally guilty of it. I am that person that puts their headphones on on a train journey and scrolls. And it's amazing to have an opportunity where you put that down, you take the headphones off, and you just sit face-to-face with a few people and talk for a couple of hours. And being able to do that constantly and you know we run up to 15 social clubs a month that's so many opportunities for people to come together and just have a chat and hang out
0: it seems in many ways it's about just being more present Mm. in them moments in times because and that tends to be the time when you are present when you're interacting with someone else and you sat down with them and you just you know you're using all your senses more more so than if you're just always thinking about what your to-do list is for the rest of the day or you know totally pulled out of it so it's a beautiful initiative it's really isn't it? it's really nice to just hear how inspiring you are about it and motivated and it must be you know for you guys to wake up each morning and to do something where you feel like you're actually doing something that's making a difference that you're giving back it must feel really good on a personal level
2: yeah it's it's honestly the best thing i've done i've only been with liverpool cares for four months now and before that i used to uh, did a brief step man- helping to manage a care home And before that I managed bookshops and it's such a different environment for me coming from fast-paced retail work which is focused on targets and it's never focused on how people are feeling or the community that you're working in and being able to suddenly take a step back and instead think about the people that live around me and the connections we have and the conversations is it's really brilliant
1: yeah, something I'm really enjoying as part of this job as well is,
2: and we we
1: I couldn't do it without sort of the support of so many different organisations and people and stuff in Manchester. Yeah. It's really sort of inspiring to see different places being like, yeah, how can we help? Or yeah, bring a group of people here. So like one of the one of the areas we're working in, I don't know how well you know Manchester, is Ancoats, um, and. I think it was recently coined, like, the 13th hippest or coolest place to live in the world. And it's literally changing before your eyes. There's new developments popping up, cafes and restaurants and bars and stuff. But there is a community of older people who've lived there and in the surrounding areas, like, for a very long time, uh, as well as people who might have sort of come here from elsewhere. And there's a place in, there's a retirement housing scheme that has, like, 160 Uh, retirement flats single flats slap bang in the middle of all of these developments and no one really knows it's there and it's almost like it's invisible and they're invisible um but and I guess a lot of the developments that are happening there some of the residents don't feel it's for them it's a lot of those traditional community spaces have gone and instead it's a bar where you have to pay £3.50 for a brew that comes in a wooden slate (laughs) but having said that like getting a lot of those um bars and cafes and stuff that we really enjoy involved has been great so coming up in that one area so we run a regular desert island disc night in that retirement housing scheme so we bring a lot of those young professionals in and we have a night where we just set a theme and listen to each other's music choices and the stories behind them. And then also in the same area, just round the corner, I mentioned before, the hip hop chip shop, which is such a cool place. Uh, it's a hip hop themed and inspired chip shop and bar. Um, so we're going to take a group of older neighbours in there, and the founder is going to like tell us about sort of his journey. And we're going to do wine tasting in one of the fancy bars. So it's just about, like, recognising and connecting yeah, connecting the dots there a little bit. Um, yeah.
0: That's amazing. I actually know that co-home very well. Yeah. Um, Jim. Jim Giles.
1: Jim Giles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jim is a regular at our <laughs> activities. He yeah. is amazing. I went to his 90th birthday oh, did you, we party. We went there you, as well. Were you, you his yeah. at the mustard tree? Yeah, we were Brilliant. there, me and my
0: wife. We've known him, well, it's a few podcasts back now, but I had him on my podcast.
1: Yeah, I saw
0: And And, yeah, we've known him for about six or seven years, and he's a really inspiring guy. Doing his Masters in fine art when he's in his 80s. Yeah.
1: My favourite Jim story is around this. He told us about how, yeah, he'd done his Masters in his 80s and went to the graduation ceremony. And when he went to sign in don't know if he's told you this um of had to give his name and his date of birth and they scrolled through the years to try and register him and his date of birth wasn't even on the system so they had to change the system for jim giles oh, yeah. that's fantastic because <laughs> a change maker
0: he, cer- <laughs> he certainly is yeah he has been changing the system yeah he's such an amazing guy and there's so many he's got all this, his neighbors there he says that he really gets on and he said he's got one last big project and he wants to paint a canvas big massive lifestyle canvas of him and all his, his neighbours Yeah, and you've got the mustard tree opposite which he's doing it's been transformed hasn't it mm. I remember going in there a few years ago and um, it not being in the best of shape and yeah. it's now really set up to make a difference yeah. particularly for a lot of homeless people yeah. and give something. Yeah. so it's nice to know what you're doing it seemed obvious actually that you would be involved in, in that area yeah. um, and there must also be some um, you know other like heartwarming stories from your time that you can maybe share particular ones whether it's just with a volunteer not a volunteer a friend or love thy neighbor (laughs) you know is there any any particular stories that sort of jump out to you
1: yeah one so um i guess one of our love your neighbor pairs was quite a nice story um so we met a gent called norman in his 60s in an area of north manchester And he had become quite isolated and and didn't have that many people around him um, and wasn't really getting out and about very much and all of that sort of thing. Um, But he is a huge United fan and became really animated when he was talking about that. So we were able to match him with one of um, the younger neighbours and one of our volunteers, David, in his early 30s who's also a big United fan so they hit it off straight away and bonded about that and Norman got to show him all of his memorabilia at home and all of that sort of thing and then somehow we wangled a United ticket for them so on their second visit they were able to go and enjoy a a match at Old Trafford together Um, and I think it was the first one in 30 years that Norman had been to um, and he just thought he'd ever get to one again. Um, so he was able to sort of like tell David what it was like in the 60s and 70s watching them um, or further, um, and yeah and sort of like showed him where he used to knock about when he was younger and that sort of thing. So that was a really lovely moment for them to share together and they still see each other once a
2: week and have developed a really nice friendship from that as well. Yeah, there are, there are so many heartwarming moments, it's hard to like just pick one. I think for me, uh, I mentioned a lady earlier, Cathy, and she always really stands out to me. So Cathy 74 and she came along to our very first social club when we first started and it was a craft club in Kensington. And it was at the craft club that she met um, one of the volunteers there, a younger neighbour called Sarah, and they hit it off immediately um, over the fact that Kathy has this brilliant blue and purple hair and Sarah's changing her hair colour every week. And they hit it off and found out that they were going to the same hairdresser. And they just immediately bonded. And ever since Kathy has been coming to so many of our social clubs, like I said, it's, it, was her fir- it was her 40th social club last night. Um, and she's so dedicated to Liverpool Cares and getting involved and meeting new people. And um, a few months back, we got a tweet from one of Cathy's daughters. And it said, like, I've been ringing my mum all night and I don't know where she was and I can't get hold of her. And then I go onto social media and I look on Twitter and there she is, photo front and centre, enjoying herself at a Liverpool Cares Social Club. And in the tweet, it's just finished with, thank you, you've changed my life, and you've changed my mum's life. And it's a really common theme, and it sounds massive and terrifying to think that you've changed somebody's life. But Kathy says it herself in conversation with us, and lots of our older neighbours and lots of our younger neighbours do as well, and it's a really wonderful thing because Cathy is brilliant and funny and engaged, and she comes along to anything, regardless of whether she thinks she's going to necessarily enjoy it or not she just wants to try something new so like last week she came to a comedy improv night last, you know last night she came to a pub club uh, at the weekend she was at a film night and Kathy is one of these people um, she lives alone and unfortunately her husband passed a few years ago and when we first met her at a craft club on Penny Lane she admitted she said herself you know I get anxious going into rooms full of people I don't know and I don't know what I would have in common with anybody that was younger than me I don't know why I'd want to get involved and through some conversation we managed to convince her just to come along and try it and she did and she got to the night and she turned around to um, our social clubs coordinator and she said you know what? I've had a brilliant time and I have found common ground with people I didn't think I would find common ground with and I've made friends and I just think that's really lovely and it just really sums up for me what it's about. Um, it, and it's about as well, like you were saying with Love Your Neighbour, it's about meeting people who can't get out of their home anymore or less able to. One of our Love Your Neighbour matches that I'm currently in process of, of kind of putting together um, and hoping to finalise soon is a brilliant 99-year-old woman called Violet who turns 100 in a few weeks and she's currently very busy preparing for her letter from the Queen and she's amazing, she's full of brilliant stories about her husband who's in the RAF and um, I've found her somebody that she shares mutual interests with and lives nearby to who's 24 and there's vast amounts of time between them but I'm so excited for them to meet and to see one another for the first time and chat and I just can't wait for that day when I know they'll be having a cup of tea together and talking about all sorts. I think something I
1: really enjoy seeing is when relationships develop between people. When it is, it's, it yeah. can be initially sort of like awkward, some people hit it off straight away, but meeting someone in that way can be quite a difficult thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one of our sort of longest standing matches is Kathleen Hughes, 89. I think, um, who lives in Boston and she's lived there for uh, thirty years, and we matched her with Charlene, who had recently moved to Manchester for work. Um, she's in her late twenties and didn't really know of the area or anyone in it. Um, and they've they're such good pals now. Um, they sort of see each other as grandmother granddaughter figure. And Kathleen's met Charlene's family when they've come over to visit, and they've celebrated birthdays together. And all of that sort of thing so it's when yeah they do evolve into very meaningful yeah. friendships
2: and they happen organically as well outside of Love Your Neighbour in social clubs um, you're seeing the same people often time and time again so we had a gentleman John who's in his 70s and John's um, great. He used to run a Portuguese restaurant in Liverpool 15 years and he got in touch with uh, Liverpool Cares because he just wanted to get out more and meet new people and make new friends and um, he came along to a board game night and enjoyed himself and kept coming to social clubs and very early on, I think it was his second social club, he met one of our younger neighbours, Rafael. and Rafael recently moved to Liverpool from Brazil And when he moved to Liverpool, he did not speak any English. And since, now all he speaks is Scouse. He's just a Brazilian with a Scouse accent. And he's great and he's super engaged and he's really funny. And they met at a social club and, you know, they just sort of sat down next to one another by chance and got chatting. And John is from Cape Verde. So automatically they just started chatting in their native Portuguese. And now they see one another at social clubs and it's like seeing old friends meet up again and they immediately start nattering away to one another in Portuguese and you have to kind of pause and be like, no, join the rest of us. You know, what is the joke? Tell us, please. And it's so lovely to see how their friendship has evolved over the months that they've both been coming to social clubs. And now to the point where they're both talking about, well, maybe we could run a social club together and do Portuguese language lessons for somebody. And I think that as well is something that's so heartwarming to see is when um, you see older and younger neighbours get so involved in the programmes that they really take ownership of it themselves. We've had um, one of our older neighbours, Sylvia, ran a social club for us last month. and. Sylvia, when she was younger, she booked a one-way ticket to Italy and just didn't come back for years and used to work in a local restaurant called the Casa Italia and it's really well known in Liverpool and it's been around for 40-odd years and she ran an Italian night where we had Italian food and we played Italian-themed games and we listened to music and we shared stories of holidays gone by And I think that's, for me, so important as part of our programmes, is seeing people get so actively involved that they really take ownership of what they're doing and they're not just coming along to social clubs to spend some time. They're really investing, like, their life in in what's happening. It's really amazing to witness.
0: Yeah, you're definitely doing good. There's no doubt about that. What kind of, like, reach have you got at the moment? Like, how many people are connected in the areas how many you know what's your potential to to take on
2: so um at the moment in liverpool we have over 500 older neighbours in our network so those are people that we've reached out to for one reason or another um who receive our social club listings who um, are interested in love your neighbor or we have come across doing outreach and they've they've said yes they would like to receive communication from us um, and we've, we're over 300 volunteers um, and given that we've been running since October 2018 that's pretty good going that's we've incredible. done pretty well yeah, amazing. Um, but I think that's one of the brilliant things about, about Liverpool is that um, Scousers are just so open and so friendly to so many people and I've, ne- I've not yet come across a closed door You know what I mean? Um, I go to um, GP surgeries and I go to council meetings and I meet with potential partners and housing associations. And as soon as you start talking about what you're doing, people are really invested and they get it and they see what you're trying to do and they see the positivity in it. Um, And I think our older and younger neighbours do as well. We were chatting just um, earlier this week in our team and um, one of my colleagues said that she just feels like some of the younger neighbours, like this charity was made for them because we see them at social clubs and we see them like getting involved and writing blogs for us and we just can't imagine them doing anything else than being involved with CARES in some way because they just love it and you can see it, how engaged they are with it.
1: And since sort of setting up, since Alex knocked on Fred's door in 2010 across the charities we've had over 15,000 older and younger people involved in all of them collectively Um, but I think in terms of the reach it's limitless and it's sort of like you'd mentioned before it's that ripple effect isn't it? it's about sort of encouraging more people to just engage with each other and notice each other um, and sort of, yeah, help to develop that sense of community again and sort of, yeah, speak to each other a bit more, I guess. Yeah, yeah um, And that can be really small day-to-day things that we can all do or maybe we do do um, that, you know, you, do, you can't really put a, a figure on. Um, but yeah, I think just sort of encouraging more of that communication across some of those perceived social divides, I guess, is the, what, what we aim for as well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, 15,000 people have been involved mm-hmm. in the past eight years and that will probably snowball yeah. in, in years to come because of the, you know, the new places that are opening up. And there's just so many untold sort of benefits as well. Like, and I can understand why when people get it, like organisations, that like you look at, say, the health service, for instance, if you're saying 10% of appointments from old people is because they're lonely. And I even come across a stat on your site saying that, um, you know, being lonely is as bad for people as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's win-win across yeah. the board. And then 15,000 people that have been involved... The health benefits for them and yeah. just emotional, physical health, yeah. everything is 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 incredible.
1: Yeah, there are huge sort of health implications that, have, yeah, you've just touched upon there. Um, it's worse for you than obesity being lonely. Um, and as you said, loneliness uh, or poor social connections and living alone is as bad for your health as smoking fifteen
2: cigarettes a day. Um, and yeah, like which is terrifying. About really, when you think about um, how many campaigns there are to get people to stop smoking and to get people to cut down smoking, give up, and don't go near cigarettes, but we don't talk about how to talk to your neighbours and how to have a laugh with one another and how to put down our phones and spend more time together. That's not something because we're not we're not geared towards that in society at the moment. We're not geared towards taking time out to spend time with one another. It's just not spoken about in the
0: way it should be. I had some people on a uh, podcast going back last year, and they spoke about going back. Whether it's after the Second World War, that neighbours, your, your hedge couldn't be over a certain height, and everyone would have like an, a fruit tree in the front. So it's kind of that idea of sharing, and you would never let it the hedge go too high because yeah. you wanted to keep that interaction and stuff. Mm. And obviously, television has. Um, it's come into effect probably pretty heavily and mm-hmm. now not just one tv there's six tvs on the house and we got the ipads and stuff so that just pulls us away even more yeah. and if what we're watching doesn't make us feel good like mm. i remember i used to go to my nan and granddad's every summer when i was a kid and there was loads of good times but there was always the times when they'd have the news on mm. re- religiously every single day and my nan would be shouting at the tv or you know saying, and it just puts you into that phase but I think what was you saying in the stats is a two and five older people
1: say so that TV is the main form of company yeah and that's a campaign to loneliness figure which is quite oh. stark but yeah I think housing can play a big part in it as well actually and looking at the way we sort of approach housing now is I think a big contributing factor. Um, A lot of retirement housing schemes now are are blocks on their own. You know, with one communal space, but not really integrated into the community in any way. Um, You know, a lot of the not to get too political, but a lot of the new developments of places, you know, are classed as unaffordable that are being developed in Manchester. So it's, you know, the way we are sort of housing older people now and more and more older people sort of statistically will be living alone in in the next few years um, yeah I think we need to think about it differently so again it's a, a very small contribution that we do that's why we sometimes hold our activities in those communal spaces in retirement housing schemes take younger people into there and also try and connect
2: people to things outside of those areas as well um. Yeah, it's like where I live in South Liverpool. Um, I live near an area called Lark Lane, which is really bustling and it's very hip and it's um, lots of like independent bars and gelato shops and vintage shops and things like that. But just around the corner is um, a big housing scheme. And I didn't even realise when I first moved in, it took me, I was walking down the road one day and I was walking past the end of Lark Lane and I continued to walk for a bit and I realised there was a big housing association scheme there and I hadn't even realised it's so tucked away and um, I actually met a gentleman who, who lives there recently and to see how badly he wants to be integrated into the community that he has lived in for so many years and that he's surrounded by, by living in such a busy area of Liverpool. But to also see that these housing associations, they're not considered part of the community in a, in a big way. And we are trying to change that by doing social clubs in those spaces, by getting more involved with other grassroots organisations that are trying to change the tone of that for the city. Everything is so rapidly changing, but we are trying to intercede in that some way.
1: I think even for younger people, though, it's yeah. completely normal for people in our age brackets to not. hear not know who they live next to yeah. in flats but even also sort of I met through this job my next door but one neighbour who's called Beryl in her late 80s who has lived in that house her entire life and I've only lived in my this house and it's rented for about a year and a half. But we'd never seen each other. We didn't know each other. We live we're on such different sort of like time scales and stuff. Um yeah we just didn't know each other and there isn't a culture on our street of just being out and talking to one another yeah. so it's kind of a little bit of what we're doing is just sort of reversing the clock to a little bit of those neighbourly gestures and that sense of community in essence.
0: I think when you were saying about you know the developments that are coming up now it's not affordable and even if the ones that are affordable are they built in a way which you're going to make You know, more there's going to be more community spirit, and something I've been doing a lot of reading and research on over the past few years is like co-housing spaces, Mm -hmm. and there's a great one over in Leeds called Lilac, and I've been following a lot over in America, Mm. Um, and they they're built with the purpose of okay, everyone's got their own dwelling, yet there's a there's a community hub where people get together, they, they cook meals together, they watch films together, they play board games, they interact. And what's beautiful about them as well is that you've got people who are in retirement ages and then you've got new little babies coming into it. Mm-hmm. And between that space, we went to visit one over in Lancaster um, not too long ago, because we're actually really interested in actually either moving into one or being part of one, getting founded. Right. Because of some of the stats you've said and some of the feelings in me that, you know, I don't... I'm conscious of me as I grow older and even me now, I want more connection with people. So if we can if we can get some of the big developers on board when Absolutely. they're building stuff, yeah. everything should have a communal space. Yeah. Yeah. Not just on the bottom of some block of flats. It's like yeah. every single floor. Yeah. And it, and the way they design, they should be the, the way the design of some of these great ones is, is an architect over in Canada. And she's very much thinking about the flow, the way everyone walks into the space. They walk into the centre of it. So they cannot there's no way other than to go through that pub. Yeah. And some of them have lovely... Some of them are different. Some of them will eat together every single night. Yeah. Others will just maybe have a potluck dinner once or twice a month. But that just feels, like, so nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Just talk about, like, solving loneliness. There you go. Just just through architecture. Yeah. And just through some, like, clever planning and clever design and can, can make all the difference. But it's great yeah. that you're doing it and what you're doing, even though them spaces aren't set up. But you're doing it, sort of like bypassing it and, and pulling people in. And that's the great thing about technology. Even though it's, it's really tough and it's, like, it's caused a lot of issues, it's also the thing that's bringing us together as well. And we can use these tools to um, transform, just Mm, like what you are doing.
2: Definitely, I mean without technology as we have it now, we wouldn't be able to find these grassroots organisations that we're working with in Liverpool and Manchester and we wouldn't be able to connect with them. Community centres wouldn't have the reach that they have now because they can um, reach out through social media and through Facebook to all other organisations that are doing similar work and partner with them. We're so lucky to have the community partners that we have in Liverpool, we couldn't run the social clubs that we, we do without them, and so much of what we do is done on that generosity and good faith, that people believe in what we're doing and want a part of it, and I don't know where we'd be if we didn't have that, to be honest.
0: Yeah, One thing, uh, when I was doing some research into you guys, that came up was... Um, that Channel 4 programme, um, Old People's Homes for 4-year-olds, have you have you watched it? Do
1: you know what, I've not, but whenever I tell someone new what I do for a living, they're like, they Oh my oh God, have you watched that show? And no. I'm like, no, I must they watch usually, to, me, to me, they usually talk
2: about the, um, the restaurants where they make mistakes, that programme. It's about people who have um, dementia running a restaurant. Oh. Yeah, it's a, another programme.
0: Well, this one's just—it's—it's it's amazing. It's just watching the interaction you've got. I think the eldest person in there's 103, and the youngest child's three, mm. and they just build up this great bond and connection. And it shows, which you guys are probably doing it as well. Like the data from when they first go in and they spend say eight weeks—they only go in a few times a week—the difference it makes to the mental health, to the physical health. It's kind of, like, just brings them alive. But also, like you are saying before, it's not just what the adults, the elders are getting. It's what these kids are getting. It's like if we've got this real soul connection with each other, and they just... And when you see kids, little kids, they don't care about how old someone is. No. But they'll be... They might make comments about them and stuff, you know, whatever, how the skin is, or... They've got no, you know, but that's just the way kids will be. But they're not. There's no prejudice. There's no. There's no challenges in that way. So, another thing as well with the the cohousing and stuff, because um, the way we're living, cities are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like millions of people are living in London, um, and the way things are going, some of the challenges that we've got. And have you come across much like the blue zones and stuff around the world? And you've got I think there's one in off the coast of Italy, one off the coast of Japan, and um, there's one in California. And then Um, there's another one, an island of Greece. And the way these live, and it just very much seems like... And I think there's very much a bit of a Mediterranean theme going, where you've still got your grandparents living in the house. You live close. You all eat together. You don't Mm. just have a 10-minute meal. You'll have a two-hour banquet. Um, And in a way, for your health, you're digesting your food um, slower. But some of the things in there, I've really been studying the blue zones and the benefits they've got there. Mm. And it's kind of like, how can we integrate that more into cities
2: yeah I think we've got to I think yeah there has to be a sort of cultural shift there just has to be in how we are interacting with people in our communities and our families as well I mean I think a lot of our statistics about lonely younger neighbours do come from there is this um preconceived idea that when you get to 18 you leave home you leave where you grew up and where your family is and you strike out somewhere completely new, and I know I did it. And I moved to London when I was eighteen, and from there went to Brighton, and spent the you know, next eight years basically living very far away from communities I'd grown up in and family. There has to be a sort of cultural change, doesn't there, of getting back to that and actually interacting with the people around you?
1: Yeah, it's just, we're all so busy. Like we yeah. work through our lunches, we eat on the move, we get to this thing and go to that thing. It's yeah. just, yeah. But I think sort of our living environments need to play a big part in it as well like you said and the fact that we are just sort of grouping people together once they hit retirement and like it doesn't feel like there's that sort of inclusion in the surrounding areas in some of these more developed areas I think is yeah is one of the main reasons we do what we do um in in our small way I guess yeah
2: in our tiny way I think We're trying to beat that stereotype of when you get to a certain age, you're no longer interested in talking to people that's that are younger than you. You're no longer interested in the hobbies you had when you were twenty or thirty or forty. And I think we're just trying to, like, renegotiate those spaces that aren't set up for older people necessarily. So, you know, bars and cat cafes and things that are cropping up all over the place that are brilliant and interesting and are making cities really vibrant places to live but aren't geared towards anybody else other than the 24 year old that's you know finished their degree and is sticking around in Liverpool for a little bit longer or something like that. The people that have tons of friends on Instagram but don't really understand the road that they live on or how old that house is or the people that might live next door to them.
0: And the more of us that can realise the real significant benefits, health benefits, physical, emotional, just having a happier life, feeling more connected by interacting with our neighbours more and maybe getting involved with some community projects. Yeah. Or, you know, even better getting involved with what you guys are doing and, and pairing yourself up with someone or running some of the getting part of some of the social clubs. It's just it's just it feels good and yeah. you can't Something I've talked about many times in this podcast is when you do something, whether it's a random act of kindness, the benefits for you, in a way, it's selfish because because you're getting so much from doing something. And the more of us, and this is what I think you guys are doing, particularly initially, your your organisation, is being more service to others rather than service to self. And the more that we can shift into that, that mindset and realise there's so many benefits from that for the person. Mm-hmm. It is in a way service to self by being service to others. No, I, so. I
2: completely agree. Um I was literally saying this to Alex, he was visiting last week, and um I was saying, Oh, I had a really busy week and I did I was at three social clubs that week and they're all evening social clubs. And I finished the last social club on Thursday and I was absolutely exhausted. I was I was completely knackered. But I got home and I turned to my wife and I was like, I'm buzzing. I've had the best two hours. I've had such lovely evenings all week talking to brilliant people. And I couldn't shut up about how brilliant an evening I'd had. And I was really tired. And I'd had a really busy week. And yeah, you're running all over the place. You don't stop and eat lunch. You sit at your laptop when you shouldn't and you should get outside and get some fresh air. But I got home on Thursday evening and just felt really good. And it was just this lovely feeling of, it is a service to self in a weird way because I'm getting so much out of meeting new people and meeting people that are my age, but also people that are older than me and doing something a little bit different with my time mm. is just a massive benefit. Yeah,
1: and you, yeah, you're yeah you signing up essentially to volunteer, if you were to sign up to volunteer with us, which <laughs> you should. Um, but it's, you're giving yourself permission to just slow down and switch off for an hour a week or a couple of hours, you know, a month. And I think in this sort of like fast-paced lifestyles that we all lead now, it is, you know, hugely beneficial to, to ourselves to do that as well, um, as well as it could be for an older person who's maybe not spoken to anyone that week so yeah just going back to that it, we hope that the model is mutually beneficial sort of in all ways
0: definitely seems that way absolutely so i'd like to just hear a little bit about you know your background you know jesse shares a little bit about your your path in and being in brighton and working in care homes and bookshops mm-hmm. and stuff I'd like to just hear along what's your route been to coming and, and working for cares
1: yeah mine was quite different so Prior to this, I worked in the arts basically, um, so I was working freelance um, usually as a producer or project manager on different things. So I was working with um, artists as their producer, so things like helping to develop their shows and tour booking and sort of fundraising and all of that sort of thing. Um, I did a sort of a lot of work with sort of younger people and engaging them in the arts. Um, I've done a bit of work with contact theatre. I've worked with quite a lot who um, sort of like put young people at the forefront of decision making in a theatre essentially, um, and some work with Manchester International Festival. So very busy and very diverse and really interesting. But it was always sort of based in quite socially engaged projects, and that's what I really really enjoyed. Um, and essentially this, I heard about Manchester Cares coming to Manchester because it previously just been in London. Um, and I was just like, I've got to get involved. I've got to be a part of it. I, I, I want to do that. Like, it just really sort of chimed with me. Um, so yeah, I joined sort of very near the beginning um, and my initial role was doing our social club activities. So it wasn't dissimilar to some of the things I've been doing before, it was about creating sort of like engaging programme of activities to bring people together. Um, but it was really just sort of like out meeting people, getting people on board, like meeting other organisations and things like that as well. So. Um. Yeah. And now we're like a team of five. Um. And yeah, it feels like we're in sort of quite a good place, but like we've still got loads more we want to do as well.
0: That sounds great. And what about when you guys were younger? Is there anything that kind of triggered this feeling that you wanted to do something to, you know, affect some sort of social change or to make a difference? Was there anything? Could have been family environment. You saw, you heard about something? I don't know, I'm just interested to know. Mm,
2: yeah, I mean, for me, it was um, definitely my grandma, which I feel like a lot of us can share a common thread in that. Um, my grandma died ten years ago, but when she was alive, she was definitely the centre of everything that my family did. She was always, anywhere we went, um, she was definitely a very matriarchal figure in my life. When I was younger, I always saw her... As the kind of the centre of the joke, she was always the loudest in the room, she was so gregarious. Um, But now, as I'm older, I actually can look at that and think um, she was quite isolated and that she had masses of family all around her, but she had um, quite difficult mobility at times and she struggled really badly with her health and she didn't have huge swathes of community around her to get her out of the house and I think a large part of her like social engagement was was visiting and family visiting on a regular basis and I think now if she'd had something like what Manchester or Liverpool Cares is doing and had opportunities to meet people both her own age and younger than her She would have loved it. She could have talked for England and she would have loved an opportunity to go dancing or play board games or go to the pub with people that she hadn't met previously. She would have really relished that opportunity. So I think when I first found out about Liverpool Cares opening, that for me really chimed of this moment of my family all grew up in Liverpool and my grandma grew up in Liverpool and seeing something being created in the city that I really love and that I'm so proud of for being such a huge hub of, of like, friendly, really strong-willed, interesting people. Funny. Really funny Mm. people, like, brilliantly funny people, full of personality and, like, interesting culture and music and outward-facing. When I saw something like Liverpool Cares getting started um, last year, I just knew i had to be a part of it somehow whether that was working there or, or volunteering um, and i did essentially move back to liverpool in the hopes of getting involved with liverpool As that was my driving force when i was when i first saw it um kind of advertised online that it was opening i was still living in brighton and it was this real like trigger moment for me of I need to make a change, I can't keep doing this day in, day out, getting out of the house for seven, getting home at eight, and just like spending hours and hours of my life just on a train or in a shop working, I just couldn't do it any longer. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, kind of a, a mm-hmm. massive risk-taking moment, but it yeah. paid off, so it's all okay.
0: I've just done a podcast actually on Take the Road Last Travels, and... <laughs> It's really important for us to take some risks and yeah. to follow our heart more and yeah. not to listen to our head and or listen to naysayers about stuff. Yeah. It's really important. If you get that spark of inspiration, that bit of excitement, it's like follow that excitement. Yeah. See where it'll it would take you.
2: I definitely had that moment. Um, I remember I turned to my wife and I was talking about Liverpool cares and I was like, this is thing, it's gonna start and I just wanna see how it goes and I wanna be a part of it somehow. I don't know how. Um, and I remember her just turning around to me and being like, I've never seen you so excited about something. It's, I've never seen you so engaged and you're not even involved yet. Mm. And I can just see it like in your eyes that you want to get involved somehow. Um, and I, I pretty much quit my job a couple of months later, got a job working in a care home, helping to manage that. And um, yeah, just moved with very little idea of how that would pan out and just hoping and thinking, well, you know what? it'll work
0: somehow well it has yeah massively it's worked has. out and we don't need to over plan stuff or we mm-hmm. just need to take the next step in front of us don't we not think of the road along how far it is because yep. it's going to be flexible it's going to change yeah. along the way
1: totally I think my decision to sort of like jump in and get involved was I guess one based on emotion. So similarly, um, I've got a really good relationship with my nine. We say nine in Wales. My dad's side is from Wales, um, and she's got like this big family around her. We all see her a lot, and um, she's look like, with my granddad. And um, so, like, she's got a really sort of good setup around her. But that could so easily be a very different circumstance as it is for so many older people that we work with so it's just about like what happens when those networks break down a little bit and then I think another thing for me was just like uh like for a really passionate reason to get involved so I'm a very proud Mancunian like I've grown up in my whole life and I absolutely love it um but I think recognizing that it is really changing and I guess there's a part of me that's like let's not forget people that have contributed to this their entire lives and built this like let's not leave them out and so I guess it came from a sense of wanting to do that a little bit as well Um, and just bringing people together I think I I guess all all the roles that I've always done you know it was more sort of like in a creative way a lot of the time before but it's just been about bringing people together um, and yeah what
0: happens <laughs> amazing it's I always like to just find out a little bit more you know what's the trigger point because I think we've all got it if we go back to our childhood what did we enjoy what memories have we got mm-hmm. I think we play can play a real significant part in mm-hmm. our in our future the act is a bit of an anchor for us a bit of a seed for mm-hmm. for when the years come later when something pops up and helps you to follow that thread so I like to fight Obviously, it seems like the jobs that you guys do anyway, in a way, is a bit like self-care for yourselves because you're getting much benefits. But I often ask people, you know, what do you do outside of work? What helps to keep you, you know, on your game? So when you're in work, you're, you're focused. Is there any little daily rituals or techniques that you've obviously use?
2: I go for a lot of walks in Sefton Park. Uh, I live really near Sefton Park, and I think something I really love doing of an evening, if I know I've had a long day or I've had a really emotionally charged day and I've, I've met a lot of people, I think it's really important to take even just half an hour, an hour of an evening and just going for a walk and like making my way around that lake and then coming back home, it's just really important. Because sometimes I'll be out and about through the week, oh, but sometimes I could be you know, sat at a desk, nine till six, just looking at a laptop. Um, so it's brilliant for me to actually get on my feet and get outside and get some fresh air and think about things in a bit of a different way and get some perspective on stuff. Mm. I really love doing that. Yeah, I think,
1: so I have to hold myself to account sometimes because we do work long hours and mm. we're a small team and we've got that sort of startup mentality and we want to be doing everything all the time. Um, so yeah, have to really sort of remind ourselves that you need to look after yourself first. Um, I've got loads of things I enjoy doing. I've got an allotment, which is always really nice. <laughs> so just potter in there for <laughs> even just half an hour or an hour after work in the summer is usually nice. Um I'm into cycling, so I'll go out on long cycles. Um, I sort of still really enjoy the arts, so like try and go to gigs and theatre and just have that escapism from that way. Yeah. And then, yeah, going on big, long walks as well and weekends away when possible.
2: Yeah I think Lauren's totally right, Um, there's only four of us at Liverpool and you do work so closely with one another and so intensely and it's such a busy, it's such a fast-paced environment that you're working in, you're always trying to, you know, call somebody back or follow something up and it is, we're constantly growing as well because we're we're less than a year old in Liverpool and it's, for us it's at the moment it's about meeting as many people as we possibly can and connecting with people um, and always trying to go a bit further and meet more people. Um, So it's definitely nice to take a moment and just give yourself a few hours where you're not doing anything. I mean, I've worked in bookshops for a long time but I do still really love to read and I think that's a massive outlet for me. I'll pretty much read anything, fiction, non-fiction. I think that's a brilliant form of escapism, um, just reading something that's totally different to my normal day-to-day life. Seeing family as well. Something that I've had since this job is... Guilt for
1: not spending <laughs> enough time with my grandparents. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm peeling all my energy into this. <laughs> so I'm trying to be around family more. And something I started doing relatively recently, and I must pick back up, is writing a letter to my nine and having a, a letter exchange, because it's kind of a bit of a lost art now. So I'd really recommend people picking, up a, picking get, up a pen. and Yeah, getting a, getting a pen pal on the go. I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that, because, you know, this is what you're working in. You can't, um, you got to walk the talk, haven't you?
2: Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. Like, you know, we're talking to people all the time about being connected and talking to one another and looking after yourselves. You've got to do it in your yeah. own life as well, because there's no point in doing that on a nine to six yeah. and not doing it in the other hours of your life. Um, yeah, living close to my family now for the first time in eight years has been incredible. Just getting to spend time with them of a, week, of a weekend. This past weekend I spent time with my dad building a deck in our yard and it's like that's just really lovely to have a weekend where you get to do something that's physical and fun and having a laugh with my parents while I do it um, and actually getting to enjoy the time I have with them. It's made me really like grateful to have that space to do that definitely.
0: I bet, absolutely. So. Find out what you do for your little self-care techniques. Who's actually inspiring you now? Where do you get your wisdom from? Is there any great podcasts or YouTubers or books that you sort of delve into? TED Talks? Could be anything, you know?
2: I'm a long-time listener of This American Life, the podcast. Um, huge, long-time listener. I love it. I, um, I really love the little short stories and the different voices and the fact that you can just spend an hour learning about something you previously had no idea about um, how people live different lives in different cultures i just love a little window into what other people are doing um books as well i mean any kind of non-fiction smart thinking i try to get my hands on and uh, have a little look at there are some really brilliant books out now Um, That are talking not just about loneliness but also about self-care and and mental well-being which i think are really important
0: absolutely
2: yeah same i guess
1: sort of i look for inspiring stories of i guess change and action is my interest um i was just trying to you it was by but um hope in the dark is something i've just started reading i think it's by rebecca solnit um but that's all about sort of different moments of action i guess across the world and how it, it's, it's about finding hope in this like political climate that can be quite dark and it was written quite a few years ago now but it's still really really relevant mm-hmm. um and about sort of how the small things that you do day to day how they can have a, a big impact and they do mean something so mm-hmm. i think that's quite nice you know what
2: though things that inspire me on a day-to-day basis is is honestly talking to the people that are involved in our work. Oh, some older neighbors yeah i've oh, got to give I a shout out to it. joyce
1: joyce is There's two actually who just inspire me. (laughs) Joyce is 86. Joyce is 86, and I met her in um, Newton Heath. I'd done something in one of those retirement housing schemes. I was doing like a coffee and a quiz afternoon once a month. Um, And when I'd first met her, she was like, Oh no, I won't. I'll just stick to the things here, I won't come out. And now she is a regular at our dance clubs she's been to the salsa and tapas, she came to cocktail making, she's always on the winning team for the (laughs) quiz, and she's just the life and soul. And so it's been brilliant to see her like really come out of her shell. Um, So yeah, Joyce86 dancing at our dance clubs is a sight to behold. She puts all of the younger ones to shame Um,
2: and she's just fantastic. Oh, it is true though. Like I had a conversation with um, one of our younger neighbours at the start of the week and she's called Christine and she's been coming along for months and she's so fab. She's just like funny and willing to get stuck in with anything. And we did a craft club a few months ago where we made uh, ladies' days outfits just after the Grand National but we made them out of toilet paper and bin bags, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. And she was just great, and like we did a fashion show at the end. And you know when you just see people get proper stuck into something? And I just love seeing that kind of wild abandon. But I was chatting to Christine at the start of the week, and she's just written a blog for us about her experiences volunteering, which we're just about to upload onto our website. And um, it's just lovely to hear somebody's side of why they do what they do. And what motivates them to get involved. Like, I come away from conversations with older and younger neighbours constantly just turning to my colleagues, just like, oh, I've just had the loveliest conversation with someone. She's brilliant and I can't wait to meet her. I, it's just every day meeting like hidden heroes and heroines around Liverpool and just seeing people that have lived amazing lives and a you know, just getting them out and doing things like Joyce and getting them really involved in communities. It's just absolutely brilliant to see.
0: So if someone's listening to this now and they're like, I want to get involved with CARES, how can they and what what can they do?
1: So you can go to our website, so it's either manchestercares or liverpoolcares.org.uk and all of our information is on there but there's a really easy um, get involved button. So you just put a, two ticks, put a couple of details in there and then um, depending where you are we'll invite you to an induction.
2: So um, we've got a volunteer induction tomorrow night, so our inductions are generally a couple of hours, there's pizza, uh, they're quite casual, and it's just a chance for everyone to get together and talk about the programmes and get a bit more of an introduction to what we're doing.
1: Yeah, so the sign-up process is really easy, um, and then you're free to come to our activities basically, there's a bit more of a process with the Love Your Neighbour one. Um, but also we're always really keen to just hear from other organisations and meet and chat and connect and find out what people are doing if there's a way we can work together so I think for our two branches anyway in sort of Manchester and Liverpool and um, we're always keen to meet and chat to people who are doing who are doing stuff
2: <laughs> yeah and if you also um If you listen and you know of anybody who is older, who you think, actually, you know what, I think they'd love to get involved. Um, There's also an Older neighbour referral form on our website, which you can fill in. Um, You need that person's consent to give their details, obviously. But after you've done that, um, it comes through to our team and we always contact people by phone and follow up everything um, and talk to people about the ways our programmes might you know benefit them in some in any way basically um and it's it is really straightforward and yeah. anyone can fill in a referral form you don't need to be a professional you could fill it in for yourself um or for your neighbor or anybody
0: yeah that's a lovely idea to be filling in for obviously getting their consent because I, I think you touched on the story early on there someone was trying to ring the mum up and couldn't find <laughs> her and she was out but actually the benefits that go through the family member as well knowing that they because, you know, they could be in a different part of the country, they could be in a different part of the world, and to yeah. know that there's someone there that's checking in on them and Absolutely. supporting them, it's great reassurance for them.
1: Yeah, Kathleen, who I spoke about before, her granddaughter lives in London, and she'd heard about us online, I think, and just got in touch with us through our website, and then mm-hmm. we, we went and paid her a visit. So it's just, yeah, about just getting in touch and can take it from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, last question, Um, this podcast is all about sharing what good people are doing, like yourselves and your organisation, what advice would you give someone who's looking to go out there and do their own bit of good in the world?
2: I'd say take a risk, I really would, Um, if you're stuck doing something that doesn't inspire you or that you're not engaging with and you've got an idea to do something better or do something good. Just take a risk and give it a try because I think people putting good out into the world is never frowned upon or should never be frowned upon. I think when you see people that are genuinely doing good things, it's always open like open arms always received really well. Um people can see when people really care and are genuine about what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I think chat to people like be open, be honest, ask for advice, connect with other people who've got similar ideas. I think sort of from having an idea to making something practical, you've got to engage with people on the way and sort of get a bit of momentum going. So yeah, just talk and ask for advice and be really open to to it.
0: Love it. That seems like a great way to to wrap up our chat today. Well, I really appreciate us sitting down and talking and... um, yeah, it's been really, really interesting. I've loved it as well. Part mm-hmm. of me's thinking, I want to volunteer. Well, I Please want to do. get involved. Come along. We'll... No, thank it. you so much for your time.
2: Thank you Yeah, it's been a, a, pleasure. Yeah, it's been a
0: real pleasure. <laughs> so there we have it. There's today's episode wrapped up. I hope you guys enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Um, it just goes to show, you know, there's just people everywhere. There's organisations everywhere that are doing good, that are helping to um, make a difference, you know, and... It, what's the great thing about this organization is that we can get involved if you're in liverpool manchester london and there'll be more cities dotted about at some point you know you can actually get involved in it and we can give up our time and and we can get a lot out of it in the end we really can so yeah if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend if you listen to it on apple Podcasts, then leave us a review and um, that would be really good really appreciate it so anyway until next time Have a good one.